Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Oh, so much fun. The crazier the topic, the more fun I have. Because I believe you can connect the dots between the world of art, the world of surgery, the world of sports. There are, it's right there in front of you, the answer. You just have to calm down, be observant. And you will see the lessons of life right there in front of you. Because those worlds are the same to me. And at 8.15, we're going to talk to a world-class surgeon who fixes the floor of the pelvis. You have a bunch of kids as a woman, and that floor of your pelvis drops out. The bladder drops with it. And later in life, you have trouble holding your urine. They call it incontinence. Well, you either fix it, repair it, or you use synthetic mesh to raise the floor up, to fix it. That concept exists in surgery, sure. But it also exists in those other worlds. And it made me think all week, knowing I'd have the guest, Dr. Gary Leach, a world-renowned urologist, pelvic floor expert, on, I started to think, where where do you see a floor that's failing? Well, you hear this soundbite in sports from Byron Scott talking about playing against Larry Bird in the Boston Garden. Because the Boston Garden had a creaky old parquet floor that was 40 years old. And sitting on top of the Boston Brew and Ice Drink all those years, it warped, it cupped. It wasn't a flat surface anymore. And underneath the floor were dead spots, which was a huge advantage to Larry Bird and McHale and DJ and Danny Ainge and Robert Parrish because these guys knew where the dead spots were. And they could use it against any other team. So they decided we're not repairing the floor because we know where all the bad guys are. Listen to what happens in sports when a floor fails. This is Byron Scott talking to the great Dan Patrick. So we playing him in the last the last play. He says uh, to James Worthy, he says, you guys don't have to worry about it. I'm going to go right over there at that corner. <laughs> He said, they're going to set a screen for me. We're taking the ball out. He said, I'm going to curl right over. And he's telling us to play. He's telling us to play before they even take it out. He said, I'm going to go right over to that corner, and I'm going to catch it, and I'm going to shoot it, and I'm going to tie the game or win the game, whatever the case may be. They take the ball out, and I think it was either Danny or, or, or um, DJ? the late, great DJ. Yeah. Take the ball out. The man curled right to the corner, caught the shot, <laughs> shot a three, and game made over. It. It's like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> he knew that dead spot. And Byron did not. 
the floor. So listen to James Brown, the sports announcer, not the singer. He's on the floor in the Boston Garden talking to the head of the Carpenters Union, Paul Demicki. Hey, can't you guys fix this floor? What's up with this floor that has warp and cup wood? This is fantastic. Right now, let's go over to James Brown. JB? All right, Dick, thank you very much. One of the most overworked topics of this series is trying to understand what benefit the Celtics get from playing in the garden where they've lost so few times. Now, many people point to the parquet floor, which was installed over 40 years ago. There are a number of uneven ridges and dead spots on the floor. Standing with me now is Paul Dembicki, who's a carpenter foreman, as you take a look at that floor. Is the construction of this floor such that it's less than desirable to play on? Yes, it is. And we offered to fix it for free for the Celtics. They said, hey, we're not interested in having it fixed. We like that the floor is creaky and leaky and warped and cupped. Well, without the ice down, the concrete leaves a lot of areas that are unlevel, and consequently there are more ridges and dead spots. And you said that the Celtics get a psychological advantage. Absolutely. We've uh, offered, Local 33 has offered to reconstruct the floor completely. The Celtics want it left like it is because psychologically they feel they can win. And the Celtics were going to save $100,000 with the new floor, but they didn't want to change it. Let's go back to you, Dick. Now think about a tree, for example, because that's where wood comes from. A tree. A tree grows from the ground straight up. How do you know how old a tree is? Well, it gets wider. It gets taller, but it also gets wider. How do you count how old a tree is? The rings. If you cut the tree in half, you look at the bottom of it, and you see inside those circles. They're rings. That's what a circle is. But now you're going to make a a board, a two-by-four, a a piece of wood for the floor. It's, It's not a circle. It's a straight line. The grain of the wood are those rings. Something circular now becomes long. This is a problem because the tree wants to become round again. That's basically what cupping and warping is. And that creates these dead spots. Listen to a beautiful explanation by a carpenter, who I love because I'm the son of a carpenter, describing what causes cupping and warping in wood that leads to the breakdown of the foundation and the flooring in the Boston Garden. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just cut up a tree into neat little rectangular project parts and they'd all just fit together? A lot of new woodworkers think that's how it works, but it doesn't take them long to realize that wood moves. You may have a perfect rectangle with flat faces and square edges one day, but it can be a totally different situation tomorrow. Boards can twist, they can bow along their length, and they can develop a curved edge or a crook. But mostly, they can cup. Cup? What is cupping? Ah, listen to this. Almost every board you ever work with will be cupped to some extent when you get it. And even a flat board can become cupped in a few hours laying on the benchtop. Understanding how and why wood cups can be the difference between a beautiful project that lasts for generations and one that ends up in a bonfire in the backyard. Mm, Why does it occur? Ah, this is fabulous. Wood fibers are like straws. When a tree is alive, those fibers are full of water. When that tree is cut down and sawn into boards at the mill, a lot of the moisture is still inside. It leaves gradually through evaporation, and as it does, those fibers contract. But they don't contract evenly, and they don't contract permanently. 
Even after the board is dried in a kiln, those fibers will always be trying to reach the same moisture level as the air around them. The foundation, the flooring breaks down with time. For example, if you run a board through a thickness planer to make it thinner, and you remove all the material from just one surface, you're going to expose the deeper, damper inner fibers on just one side of the board, and that's going to lead to cupping as those fibers dry. Or if you leave a board on a benchtop overnight, that may cause the top surface to dry faster than the bottom. That's going to lead to cupping too. There you go. That's the failure. That young floor gets older, and now it starts to warp and cup. That woman gets older. She's had a bunch of babies. The pelvic floor that supports her intestines and her bladder stretches out and she starts to not be able to control her bladder. Enter Dr. Gary Leach to fix it. And we'll learn about that at 8.15. But what about the failure of a floor in music, in art? Because I believe those worlds are the same. Well, when you're 18... You sign a contract if you're George Michael. You're so excited to be in the music business. This is George Michael, by the way. I just love this. What does George Michael have to do with the Boston Celtics parquet floor and Dr. Gary Leach fixing bladders and pelvic floors? In my opinion, everything. Because when George Michael started out in music, he was in the 80s as big as Michael Jackson and Madonna. But it was about to destroy him. The intense pressure. Listen to him talk about what he was after, his ego. I was intelligent enough to know that this was the wrong road in terms of if I was looking for happiness, I should not be trying to catch up with Michael Jackson or Madonna or whatever, which was absolutely what I was intent on doing as a British star. Jets, women, money. It was a fantastic ride, amazing ride. But I don't think there's any way I could have controlled my ego enough to have stopped me uh, exploring the possibility of being the biggest selling artist in the world. But it was about to kill him, and particularly his foundation, his floor, was his music contract that he signed when he was 18, starting out with Wham! with Sony. But now, he had a few kids, metaphorically. He's older, and that pelvic floor is cupping and warping like the Boston Garden after 40 years of being on top of the Boston Bruin ice. There was a basic falling out over the philosophy of not promoting the record. And, and, and not providing a video for the first single and, and, and that was what it was all, that's what it stemmed from. I was just naive, I was totally naive and thought that if I was open and honest and, uh, and truthful that it would pay dividends. What a fool. He realized I gotta get reconstructed. My floor, my foundation is leaking. One of Britain's most successful pop singers, George Michael, is today asking a high court judge to declare his recording contract null and void. George Michael's counsel told the court this case is not about money. I will never know if Sony and I would have ended up in court had Anselmo not become ill. 
record companies are just glorified bank managers who wear jeans to work and they lend you money and you know the interest is ridiculous and very often they don't live up to their promises that was boy george of culture club also upset with his own contract the pelvic floor gets older the contract you have with the music record companies is not as valid as you mature i was doing something that wasn't just justified in terms of me as an individual who'd signed a record contract at 18 that was completely ridiculous and been coerced into signing that. I think that what he was saying um, That's Mariah had Carey. a lot of validity to it and I was kind of behind the scenes and um, to me he should have won. I remember seeing him on the news and it just all looked so scary and I thought, why is he putting himself through all that? Those are the backup singers for Wham. Well, guess what? He takes Sony to court. You got to fix me. I need my pelvic floor reconstructed. No. He took him to court. Guess what? He lost. The pop star George Michael loses his high court battle to break away from his record company, Sony. His parents were in the crowded court which heard that he had lost and Sony had won on all counts. I do remember being absolutely gutted. Not that I'd lost, but that the record companies who absolutely were outside reasonable law, there was absolutely nothing to that required them to pull their socks up in any way. This is his statement after losing, and you hear him say, listen, an 18-year-old kid, a young pelvic floor can support the bladder. But not when you're 30. Things leak. Things stretch out. I need a new contract. And ultimately, David Geffen heard this and said, leave him alone, Sony. I'll buy his contract from you. He's too creative. We need him to make music for all of us. I have no right to resign. In fact, there is no such thing as resignation for an artist in the music industry. Effectively... You sign a piece of paper at the beginning of your career and you're expected to live with that decision, good or bad, for the rest of your professional life. Crazy. But I think if artists from the early 90s on really had been uh, masters of their own destiny, there is a possibility that Pop Idol wouldn't have ruined everything. Despite the fact that we won the court case, we lost the fantastic artist. Mm -hmm. Would I have been angry enough to take them on? Um, I have a feeling the answer to that is probably no, actually, if I'm really honest. And he stops making music. That's his only recourse. All right. You don't want to, I lost the case. You don't want to fix me. I'm just not going to write songs and sing songs. David Geffen. The Dr. Gary Leach of the music business came in and rebuilt his floor, rebuilt his contract. Well, after that, there was a kind of necessary um, hiatus, really, because I had to get on with grieving. And I was kind of uh, in a form of inertia that meant I wasn't writing anything. And, um, and that went on for about uh, the best part of two years. And then I came up with Jesus to a child and I was so excited that I'd finally been able to put my feelings for him into words. And you know, the kind of catharsis of that record for me was massive. When David Kefman came to the rescue and rebuilt his foundation, his floor with a new contract, 
the very first song he writes is Jesus to a, Ch a Child and is the album that Geffen produces after he leaves Sony, The very is older and sells 25 million records. I can only imagine what the Sony executives were thinking sitting in the audience at Berlin. I don't believe there's a soul in the audience could have sat down and gone, it's over. I mean, it was obvious that he was back on form. I think from then on, I was recovering and I started recording older and it was a long process, probably because I was so stunned. Basically, he had surgery by Dr. Ge David Geffen, the Dr. Gary Leach of the music business, and he could support his floor. He wasn't incontinent anymore. He was creative again. Jesus to a child went to number one and went out for a big celebration lunch. Andy, Dick, the whole team, you know. And uh, he put a, 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 a little uh, Walkman across the table and said, have a listen to this. And he played You Have Been Loved and I just could not believe. I could not believe what the man had done with that. The album didn't come out for a good year later, but with Fast Love coming from that, it just exploded the older album for us. It exploded in success. Who understands this journey better? of rebuilding the floor in sports, in art, and certainly in our world of surgery. My guest coming up, the great Dr. Gary Leach. Can't wait to talk to him. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar, and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. I love this song. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I don't even want to turn that song off, Steve Paulette. That is George Michael singing the song Amazing. Well, you know who's amazing? Is my guest, the great Dr. Gary Leach. Gary, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Absolutely, Rob. It's wonderful to be here. Thank uh, you. All right. Before we begin... Where'd you grow up? What'd your father do for a living? And when and how did Cupid shoot you in the chest with an arrow where you said, that's it, I want to be a urologist? Take us through your life. Oh, well, I, uh, I grew up in Detroit, and both my uh, parents worked at General Motors. As, oh. um, wow. People do that lived in Detroit at that time. Wow. Yeah. Did you have Detroit so, uh, pizza? Did you go to Buddy's? 
Oh yeah, yeah. I went down with the buddies when it was only uh, one buddy's uh, location, and they. They're using the same pans that they used to use. It's great. Yeah, they for the oil pan and all the little nuts and bolts while they're working on the assembly <laughs> line. He's this Italian guy in the 1940s and said, listen, I miss my pizza, but we don't have any pans. We're going to use the oil pan from the assembly line. What a I mean, oh, my God. It's like the biggest thing in pizza right now is Detroit-style pizza. I know. Well, I've been eating that since the 1950s. So wow. Great. And, uh, wow. I went, I went to Michigan undergrad and then uh, Wayne State Med School. And when I was at Wayne, uh, I knew I wanted to be a surgeon. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seemed to me that the happiest surgeons that I worked with were the urologists. Mm -hmm. They were, uh, they loved their job. Their patients loved them. They did a lot of different kinds of surgery. And that just uh, sort of shot me with the arrow for urology. Wow. And, uh, and how about and Cedars? I, uh, when did you come to Cedars? Uh, I came to Cedars in 1995. Wow. And I joined Tower Urology. Wow. And uh, have... Uh, Really enjoyed uh, working there tremendously. It's been uh, it's an amazing place to work, as you know. Listen, I've been there even longer than you. I started in practice 1989, but I was an intern uh -huh. there in 1983. But as I always uh -huh. say, Cedars is a building, Gary. It's a building. Big deal. You know what makes it special? Yeah. Why I want my whole career, I want to be Kobe Bryant, only one team to play for, Cedars, is because of the people that work there. And those people are you. Knowing that you're there gives me such comfort because the best are around the best, and that's what I love. So I just want to showcase who you are and what you do. And this whole world that you're in, the niche that you're in, the best of the best at doing this is the pelvic floor. I don't know if you've been listening to the show, but I had this crazy idea to talk about in sports and in art the pelvic floor. Listen to a carpenter being interviewed in the 80s as to why the floor is breaking down for the Boston Celtics, those bums, where all the dead spots are, where Larry Bird knows where all the dead spots are, and the Celtics don't even want to have a surgeon. They don't want a Gary Leach carpenter to fix the floor. Listen to this. Well, without the ice down, the concrete leaves a lot of areas that are unlevel, and consequently there are more ridges and dead spots. And you said that the Celtics get a psychological advantage. Absolutely. We've... Uh, Offered, Local 33 has offered to reconstruct the floor completely. The Celtics want it left like it is because psychologically they feel they can win. And the Celtics were going to save $100,000 with the new floor, but they didn't want to change it. Let's go back to you, Dick. So when a woman comes to you and she's got incontinence, she's had four kids and now her bladder is coming out the bottom of her floor, there's a, there's a structural problem. But there's also a psychological problem, right? I mean, you, they go hand in hand. I may be an orthopedic surgeon, but I love to tell my staff I'm a psychiatrist because people need to understand how much better you can make their life. You are a psychiatrist, Gary Leach, right? Yeah, it's, it's a huge quality of life issue. And 30% uh, of women have this problem. Uh, it's really related, as you said, to childbirth. Um, and uh, previous pelvic surgery, like women have had a hysterectomy and all the supports are weak. Or uh, we realized last year it's a lot of genetic factors as well. You know, mm -hmm. let's go and oh, my mother had this problem, my grandmother had this problem. So it really, really boils down to a quality of life with a woman walking around uh, feeling like uh, she's sitting on a uh, cantaloupe or something like that. And wow. the good news is it can be fixed. You don't have to live that way. Wow. Can you Can you teach me a little anatomy right now? 
I'm a, I'm a guy who does hundreds of hip surgeries, thousands over 32 years. So I'm fully aware of, you know, the three bones that coalesce to form your pelvis, the ischium, the ilium, the pubis bone, and how they fuse together to form that ring of the pelvis. I'm totally aware of the bony aspects, if you will, the two-by-fours of the circus tent. But you're an expert in the canvas that makes the tent. You're you're not dealing with the beams like I am, the, the structural beams that hold up the tent. You're dealing with actually the canvas of the tent. So teach me a little bit. What does the bottom of the floor looks like that attaches the tent, the upside-down circus tent, if you will? That's a clapper vision for you, of the pelvic okay. floor. Oh, basically, there's like three different layers of support. And um, as you said, it's not the bones. It's the ligament and supportive structures in that area. So in the lower part of the female pelvis, there are ligaments that go uh, from the bladder out to the sidewall of the pelvis. In the middle part, there's uh, attachments from the area of the cervix mm-hmm. that also lift the, uh, the whole vaginal uh, structure up to where it should be. And at the top, there's a uterus with the actual uh, ligaments that hold the uterus up mm-hmm. that uh, can become lax over time. And when that happens, it's sort of like the roof falling in, in your house or, you know, that the normal support structures just aren't there. And it leads to a lot of problems with not only things being out of place, but also, as you mentioned, uh, loss of bladder control, where women are having to wear pads because they cough or sneeze or leak. And, uh, again, that's a huge quality of life issue. Uh, you don't have to live that way. Things can be fixed, and that's, that's the good news. One of the things that I find fascinating in the world of surgery, in my world, and I'd, I'd love to pick your brain and take advantage of you being on the radio with us right now, as a surgeon and with your thousands of cases and experience, what is it that goes through your mind that makes you decide this is, this is an area where prolapse has occurred, where the bladder's coming out the bottom and no longer has the support of the trampoline, of those, uh, that fascia, the ligaments, the muscle? What is it that you decide, or when is it that you decide this is something that I can actually repair, umbricate, and, and, and use the woman's own structures to tighten up and fix the stretched out part versus, nope, I now need to use a synthetic material, a mesh. I'm not trusting her own tissues to help support her pelvis. How do you make that decision? Well, by the time you get to see me, Rob, usually the uh, the prolapse is pretty advanced, meaning that it's at the... Uh, opening of the vaginal area actually coming through. And by the time the women come to see me, usually they'd say, this is a huge quality of life issue. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm sitting on a beach ball. I have trouble urinating. I've got to push it up with my fingers. My husband's not happy. I'm not happy as far as our uh, intimate relationship is concerned. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to have this fixed. You know? mm-hmm. And the uh, problem is that the woman's own tissues by that time, are compromised. It's very, very weak. Hmm. So the gynecologists in the past used to try to repair things by, like, placating the patient's own tissue, bringing it together. And we know that because the old tissue is weak, at three years, about 50% of those operations fail already because Hmm. you're trying to take, like, wet tissue paper and sew it together to lift something up. It just isn't going to hold. So we really, uh, about 15 years ago, converted to using 
uh, a kind of a human, very strong tissue called fascia that comes from the leg. It's usually donated and treated in a special way to make it very, very safe. And that fascia, as you know, being an orthopedic surgeon, is extremely strong. It comes from the leg, fascia hmm. lata. Hmm. Very, very strong and very safe. So we actually will take a piece of that fascia lata, about maybe four or five inches in diameter, and we'll use that to make like a new floor and sew it to the ligaments to repair the defect so the bladder can't drop down, so the top of the vagina is held up the way that it should be. Hmm. So instead of relying on the patient's own tissue, which is compromised and weak, we're using a very strong human tissue that has about an 85%, 90% success versus 50% failure at three years. So that fascia lata has made a huge difference in how we reconstruct the, the vagina in these women with prolapse. Now, the hernia surgeons are using synthetic, like Marlex mesh. Do you Did you ever use, uh, do you still use a synthetic, or do you always prefer to use a cadaveric um, uh, fascia lata? We, uh, we used to use synthetic material for selected cases, and about four years ago, it was pulled off the market for vaginal reconstruction. Mm. And the reason why that happened is that there were some longer-term complications with that synthetic mesh material moving or eroding into the vagina, mm. where it would cause bleeding, uh, the husband would feel it during uh, intimacy, and uh, for that reason, it was, it was taken off the market. So... Mm. Mm. Uh, I always use more fascia lata than the mesh anyway mm. uh, and felt that the you know, results were fantastic. And so that's pretty much the best option we've had for the last few years is to use the, the donated fascia lata. That's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about the outcomes after surgery and how it improves the quality of life. Well, uh, women tell me they are, this is the best thing I ever did because they don't have that feeling of constant pressure. They don't have the feeling of, sitting on a beach ball, they don't have to like push things up with their fingers to be able to mm-hmm. pass urine in a normal way. Mm. And when we look at the long-term results, which for vaginal surgery is in the range of like 10, 15 years, we're still up in the range of about 85, 90% success. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and the same thing for bladder control. Mm. These women that are wearing pads and diapers. And, you know, this, this country spends $8 billion a year, billion with a B, on pads and depends and these sorts of things. So it's a very common problem and a huge quality of life issue. So if we can get 90% success at 10 years, that's pretty darn good. That's fantastic. Well, before I let you go, my love for my 63 Corvette is something I share with you. And now I understand why you have such a passion for the classic car, particularly the 63 Corvette, because both your parents worked on the assembly line in Detroit. Yeah, they both worked at General Motors. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, uh, you know what? Knowing that you're riding around in a split window, knowing I'm riding around in a convertible, let me tell you something. The carpenter's son, the assembly line worker's son, you've done just fine in life, Gary Leach, and I'm so proud of you and I'm honored to have you not only as a colleague but a friend and Thanks so much for getting up early to educate us and be with us. Absolutely, Rob. Thanks for having me, and I hope that uh, provides useful information that is helpful to the people listening to your show. How do Thank people get much. a hold of you? How, how can they, if they have this problem, is there a website? Do they just call Cedars? What do they do? Uh, towerurology.com. Okay. Tower, T-O-W-E-R, urology.com. Okay. Uh, Tower Urology, we're in uh, 
our office building is right next to Cedars. Okay. There's perfect. a uh, big yellow sign in front. So it's, a, it's a color of urine, so <laughs> they can remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have a sense of humor, that's for sure. You're the greatest, Gary yeah, Leach. Thanks so much for making time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Rob. Thank right. you. Have a, have a good day. God bless you. All right, Warriors. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You just heard a conversation between a carpenter and a plumber. Now I'd like to talk to you, the weekend warrior, but I also want to tell you what I found in surgery this week was just awesome. I'm going to go take you into the operating room with you because I saw a patient who came all the way from Iowa for me to do her hip because someone else did the other side and it was nothing but trouble. And I had a measure twice cut once to make sure she had a perfect surgery, which she did. Went home the same day. You need to understand why we're able to do that. I'll explain. Coming up next, the number is 877-710-ESPN. Weekend Warrior. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. It's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's the great George Michael. Rescued by David Geffen from Sony Music and his rebuilt pelvic floor music contract brought one of the greatest musical careers to the forefront. Love him. The energy is just awesome and his voice awesome. All right, let's take all the lines lit up. Let's go to John in Thousand Oaks. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Oh, hey, Dr. Clapper. Uh, thanks so much for taking my call. Uh, my pleasure. I'm a huge fan, and Thank I'm a you. huge fan of 710. Um, Great. So How young are you? What do you do I, for a living? So I'm 15 years old. I am a painting contractor. Oh, great. And... Uh, I've done that for about 15 years, and prior to that, I've built surfboards. Really? So you're a fan of, yes. Really? Where do you surf? You still surf? Uh, occasionally. Uh, I have kids now, and that's taken a huge chunk out of my uh, surfing time. And uh, yeah. Do you have any of your? There, you have any so. of your old boards? Do you have any classic old boards? Oh, I, I've got a handful of magic boards. No, okay. Magic, as in Steve Walden? No, as in magical surfboards that just, for some reason, seem to work in any type of wave, in any type of condition. Okay, okay. And uh, cool. trying to hold on to those ones. 
All right. I love it. I've got like 40 surfboards in my collection. I'm embarrassed to say, but I just love it. They're, to me, they're like sculptures. But I have some Dick Brewer, Greg Knoll. Oh, God, I just have the greatest collection of surfboards. Hanging in my office is a Mickey Dora black cat. If you ever came to see me as a patient, you'd see it. You'd go, oh, my God. And then on the other wall is a Hap Jacobs. I just love the shape the the form and functional aspect to a surfboard it just speaks in my office i have a ben aipa swallowtail they're just gorgeous so how can i help you what what's up with you well so um i've got trigger finger in both of my middle fingers on both you know one on each hand so um okay started coming up a few years back and uh and I attribute that a lot to using the uh, machines we use in surfboard building, Correct. painting with those fingers. Correct. And uh, so this last spring, I ended up getting a cortisone shot in each finger, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it tended to help for a few months, mm-hmm. but now it feels like it's come back even worse. So I need you to and do me I- a favor. No more cortisone. No shots. Okay, you're done. All because. Right. You will rupture the tendon if you keep doing that. The cortisone's kind of like uh, marinating the tendon, and it'll weaken it, and it'll snap, and then you got a really big problem. So no okay. more shots, please. Now, do you That's understand cool. what a trigger finger is? You need a clapper vision. I love a clapper vision. All right, let I me tell. Understand it, but let me I love to hear it. Let me tell you what a clapper vision. I'll give you a clap for what a trigger finger is on your two middle fingers. If you now look at your finger and extend your finger and then you flex it and then it stays stuck, you got to literally take your thumb and pop it to straighten it out again. That's what a trigger finger is. Well, if you turn your hand palms, palms up and underneath the skin, I'm here to tell you that deep to the palm, the skin in your hand literally looks like a fishing rod. The bone is the rod, the fiberglass stiff fishing rod. And just like a fishing rod has the fishing line, and then it has those loops that hold the fishing line close to the stiff fishing rod to give you a mechanical advantage so that when the fish is fighting, you use the stiffness of the rod, not just the string, not just the line, to bring the fish in. If you don't have that rod... That fish, I don't care how much it weighs, is going to snap the line. But having the stiffness of the fishing rod helps you uh, fight the fish. Well, for you to pick up a hammer, a bucket, surgical tools like me as a surgeon, a basketball, a baseball, you need the strength that comes with the bones that make up your hand, the metacarpals, the proximal, middle, and distal phalange bones they are like a fishing rod stiffness, the bones themselves. The fishing line that allows you to have that flexibility is the flexor tendon. But how do you hold the flexor tendon close to the fishing rod, close to the bone? Well, in a fishing rod, you have those loops that keep the fishing line close to the stiff rod that gives you the mechanical advantage to lift something up. Well, we have the same thing deep to the skin that you're now looking at, palms up. Those are called the pulleys, and there's multiple ones. We, the, we call them the A1 pulley. They're all different letters, 
but they're named for different locations throughout your palm and as you go to the tip of your finger, different loops, different pulleys that literally keep the tendon close to the bone itself. Well, just like a fishing line is thin and the loop gives it plenty of clearance so the fishing line could glide, same thing for your tendon and the pulleys, the loops. There's plenty of clearance. However, go be 50 years old and make lots and lots of surfboards. Go be a secretary or a receptionist, lots of computer work and typing. And guess what happens? The tendon, the fishing line, gets inflamed and it swells and it gets fat. When it swells and gets fat, it literally becomes too fat to fit in the pulley, to fit in the fishing loop, the, that, that hole that allows it to glide. Well, if the line or the tendon gets too swollen and too fat, it no longer glides through the pulley like it's supposed to. So you get a shot of cortisone with the idea that you'll take down the swelling, the fatness of the tendon, of the fishing line, so that it can glide through the loop again. But that can fail, and it has in your case. So the next thing, the solution, which is local anesthesia, it's so elegant. I actually used to do this when I first started 32 years ago. I did all, I was a general, I am a general orthopedic surgeon. I did simple hand surgery. Literally would take me five minutes, literally. I would inject, you got to know your anatomy, but you would inject numbing medicine into the palm where the A1 pulley, that's the one you want to go to because if you end up going to the wrong pulley, you end up making a disaster. You also have to know where the nerves are because if you are very illiterate with your anatomy and really not paying attention, you can make someone's finger numb permanently by cutting the nerve. So it is five minutes, but you got to know what you're doing. You inject into the palm right over the A1 pulling, uh, local anesthesia, you take a scalpel, you make a small little incision, horizontal incision, little retractors, and you nicely, I, I would love to look for the nerve on either side of the finger, retract them out of the way, and there it is. There's that hoop. There's that pulley, just like the fit, and you cut it. You release it. It's a horizontal band. You cut it 90 degrees, and you free it, and all of a sudden, that bulge in the tendon can now glide where it couldn't glide before, thank you, fixed, never comes back again, and you can now shape surfboards, hold a hammer, play basketball, you get to do everything again. So your job, John in Thousand Oaks, is to go to a good, not just an okay, but a good, great hand surgeon, someone who can do this, as I just described, elegantly in the right way. So do you have a pencil or are you driving? All right, you're going to go, you're going to have to remember these names. I'll give you two names. One is named, is who I would go to if this was my hand, David Kolber, K-U-L-B-E-R. And the other is Eugene Tsai, T-S-A-I. Two great hand surgeons at Cedars who will be able to help you with your trigger finger. All right? All right, Tsai and Kolber. Tsai and Kolber. You're very welcome. Listen, you're a total stranger to me, John. I need you to find a total stranger today. You go do something nice for them, a total stranger. That's how you'll be thanking me. Oh, no problem. We got that for you. Uh, All right. Thanks for everything. I love your show. Thank you. Thanks for being a loyal weekend warrior. I appreciate it. All right. Safe travels. 
All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. Coming up next, the lines are all lit up, so I'll keep taking calls. Keep the clinic open. But I do have to tell you where the greatest Hawaiian sign men, big bowl of it with wontons, chopsticks, a little plate of Chinese mustard. You take that chopstick, you take that wonton out of that Simon bowl, dip it in that hot mustard with soy sauce. It's the most delicious thing. Where are you going to get it? You ain't flying to Honolulu right now. You can get it in L.A. And coming up next, I'm going to tell you where. The greatest Simon here in L.A. Without the suntan. You're listening to the greatest food show on, D- on radio. The Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. You were born before the wind. Also younger than the sun. Yeah, the bonnie boat was one as we sail into the mystic. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Why is Steve Paulette playing Van Morrison's incredible song, Into the Mystic? He's playing it because on Twitter, and you can follow me, at Dr. Robert Clapper, the great Michael Thompson, NBA champion Michael Thompson, commentator with John Ireland for our beloved Lakers, Michael Thompson, tweeted this week that this is his favorite song for romance. And I agree with him. You're right, Michael. You're a wise sage. Love it. All right, let's take some calls before we're done. Let's go to Joel. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning. Morning, Uh, Joel. How young are you? What do you do for a living? Well, I'm semi-retired. I was at UCLA for 30-plus years, but I continued with a strategy and organization consulting practice and uh, still walking the earth. What does UCLA mean? You were a teacher there? I taught in the management school for several years, but I also had a permanent research appointment. Wow. What was your research? It was into uh, technology and change and how it impacts people and, uh, uh, you know, all that stuff, you know, in terms of uh, not just uh, manufacturing technology, but all information technology now. That's the new world, IT. So I worked in all those areas and did a lot of work in healthcare, actually. Where did you grow up? What did your dad do for a living? My dad was uh, a, a, the uh, West Coast rep for a, a very fine uh, menswear firm. Uh, so he traveled a lot. And I grew up in Cheviot Hills in Santa Monica. Wow. And grew up behind a golf course and played a lot of golf as a kid. And I regret not following through with it because I was pretty good at it. Wow. How young are you again? I'll be 80 next week. Mazel tov. What are you going to do for your 80th birthday? That's a big one. Just celebrate with some friends and have a great meal wow. in, in Venice. That's fantastic. Good for you. All yeah. right. How can I help you, young man? 
Well, you've helped me avoid knee surgery for some time. I've been following your uh, advice about uh, aqua therapy and uh, great. Uh, weights and stuff like that. But now I got a new one, and it's pretty serious. It's okay. a new insult. Uh, I racked up my, soul, uh, my right shoulder last week, mm-hmm. and um, I've got an MRI impression. I won't read them all, but there's a couple that are pretty significant. Yes, uh, go to the impression. Go slow so I can interrupt you with clap revision, and I'll help you. I'll explain it to you. Go I've ahead. been looking at uh, in the Internet, obviously, on this, too. Full thickness tear at the footprint of the supraspinatus tendon. Right. So 3.2 the, centimeters. Right. So 3.2 centimeters is big. Um, and at 79 years old, probably not the typical. Like I just asked Dr. Gary Leach, when do you make the decision as a surgeon that this is something you can put stitches in and it will hold up and you can repair it versus saying, forget about it, you're not putting stitches into a Boston cream pie. So, And that's a significant amount of pulling away from the bone that you're dealing with. What I also want to know is, do you have arthritis in the bone and socket joint? So keep reading. Uh, there's a, uh, something that looks like that, but it, it's, uh, it doesn't translate into that word. Yeah. Uh, I have a full thickness tear at the insertion of the upper fibers of the subscapular tendon. Right, okay. 1.7 centimeters. That's, that's big. big. Yeah, that's big also. And the subscapularis tendon is the tendon that allows you to touch your belly button. That's called internal rotation. And that's debilitating to be missing the subscapularis tendon. So go ahead, keep going. I'm touching my belly button right now. I have a fair amount of range of motion, actually, in yeah, various things, but, but a lot of pain in some some spots. But you won't have strength because of that no, amount of tear. No. So, yes, go ahead. And I go to the gym a lot, so, you know, right. those days are over for the right. while. Right. Uh, severe tendinosis of the long head of the bicep okay. tendon with That's medial sub, subluxation. So the deterioration of – I just talked about a fishing rod and how tendons are, are held in place with a pulley – yeah, well, the, subs- the biceps tendon is held in place in the bicipital groove, and there's a, there's a pulley that goes across it, um, a ligament-like structure, and yours is, you know, alta cacaritis, basically fatigued, <laughs> and now your tendon is moved out of the groove. But that's also something that doesn't need necessarily an operation. Go ahead. Keep going. I only got two minutes. Go ahead. Okay. Patchy areas of abnormal marrow signal uh, at the greater tuberosity, uh, low-grade strain or contusion of the deltoid, moderate degenerative, that's probably the arthritis part, moderate degenerative changes at the the acroclavicular joint. Your acromioclavicular joint, but that doesn't bother me. I need to know about the glenohumeral joint, the ball and socket joint. All right, so this is what we're going to do, because I only have two minutes left. You, You officially have just won the prize if you want. You can call my office on Monday, tell Arnie that I spoke to you, and rather than making you wait four months to come see me, he'll make time, and you tell him you won the prize, the Weekend Warrior Show, and you can come see me if you want in the next couple of weeks. Bring your MRI with you, and I will help you. No cortisone shots. Yes. One last question. Uh, I'm taking a big trip on October 1st. Yeah. Can I... Uh, is time a factor here in terms of intervention or any kind of treatment? Not at a 79-year-old with all the altacocaritis you have. Go enjoy your trip and come see me after the trip. Thank you very much. All right. God bless you. And you, find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. I look forward to meeting you. Sure thing. All right. God bless you. All right, Warriors. Next week. Oh, we got a great show next week. My guest started a company 
great, brilliant idea, thanks to the great Jared Abrams, we tracked this guy down, who combines board shorts with wetsuit material. He melds them together. The wetsuit, that neoprene, and a board short. Sounds like, uh, okay, how could that be great? Oh, my God. This is like the coolest thing in the world. And that's what we're going to talk about next week, melding two distinct different worlds together. Now, you may think I want to talk about a donut and a croissant, better known as a cronut, Dominique Ansel, but no, I'm not going to talk about that. You may think I'm going to talk about windsurfing. Well, maybe, because Foyle Schweitzer was the genius behind marrying surfing and sailboating. That's going to be the topic, melding two separate worlds. That'll be the topic next week. And don't forget, the place I'm talking about food-wise, where you can get the greatest Hawaiian food outside of Honolulu here in L.A., it's in a bowling alley in Gardena, the Gardena Bowling Alley. Hideki is the owner, and he's going to be our guest in a few weeks here on the show. My mouth is watering already. Go see Hideki. Tell him Dr. Clapper sent you. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.